Welcome to Authors in Chains, by writers, for writers. Hosted by J.R. Ryu, Rob Davies, Glacia Kronk, and Ray Bailey. Thank you for joining us for episode 23, where we talk about epilogues and prologues. Welcome to another episode of Authors in Chains. We're doing it two-way today, Glacia and Rob. Ray is somewhere else doing something probably more important and a lot more fun. So for this episode, Glacia and I are going to be talking about prologues and afterwards and all the supplementary stuff that authors insist on jamming into their books because maybe it's not enough. Yeah. So with that, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 750th episode of AIC, and <laughs> Glacia, go. Yeah, and go. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you go into talking about, like, you know, afterwards and stuff like that, and I, while I was looking around at this stuff, I'm like, you know, going into the whole, like, prologues versus epilogues thing, and when you say afterward, it makes me think of, like, you know, the whole forward thing. And so, like, probably a decent place to start. I mean, like, I'm kind of curious whether we're going to actually just talk about, like, prologues and epilogues or whether we're going to go into... No, no, no. You know us. I'm, I'm betting a lot of good money it's that we will spin off into one rat hole after the other. <laughs> Ray will get back on and say, what was wrong with you? What were you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> you ain't doing this again. I'll hire somebody to keep you assholes from doing <laughs> we'll it. We'll find somebody else. Yeah, okay. no, we've got to do, like, you format or and stuff like that do we have a bastard title page but later later for that okay okay so uh chronologically what about forward what about stuff that goes prologues tell me about prologues well i mean i think that like i didn't even really 100 percent know this until i started looking into it i mean like i guess the important thing to start with is is like definition like i didn't realize really what the difference was between like a forward and an introduction and a prologue and a preface. They're like all different. Yeah, they are way different. You know, let's just go down the like, line. It, just I, that alone is worth talking about right there because there's a there's the, the habit of misapplying a term generically without understanding what it really means is a a horrible habit, and a lot of people have this. And so, you, you, because you're grabbing some facial tissue, doesn't mean they're made by Kleenex. Because your SUV will go four wheel drive, doesn't mean it's a Jeep. Right. So, those are really bizarre analogies, and I apologize immediately for having said it. But go down the list. Let's let's talk about the definitions of the four. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that since we're like talking prologue here, I think it's a fair assumption that you know, I mean, like. At least in my experience, I think a lot of people label anything at the beginning that has content to it as a prologue. Um, <clears throat> and so, like, you know, I guess first you have, like, your forewords, which have, like, in my understanding here. I know you will correct me if I'm wrong. I have such faith. <laughs> well, it's the least I can do. <laughs> really, it is. <laughs> so, shut up. Sorry. So, like, your, your forewords, right, are, have, like, nothing to do with the story at right. all. Yep. And these are the type of things that I want. I want to Most be introductions don't either. Now that you mention it, introductions don't have shit to do with the story either. Somebody going blah, 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 typically about the author. Yeah. Well, um, mm, yeah, yes. Intr an introduction can go either way is, is yeah. how I understand it. Like a forward is something that's, that's written. Yeah. About the book, but by another yeah. person. Right. I want to be yeah. that important one day. I want somebody. Yeah, to no kidding. Me. Right. Can you do my forward? Oh, sure. I'd be glad to. Cause you just call my secretary and schedule something. Right. Yeah. I'm like freaking William Shatner. Do your forward <laughs> or something like that. I, I can't, I can't get asked to do a forward for some numbskulls email at work. That, that stuff is not going to happen, but okay. Right. But a so, prologue, a prologue. A prologue is absolutely like it is the story, right? Yeah. So I mean, like, let's just start there, right? Your your prologue is I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you, and this is the stuff I'm not just, gonna tell you. I said that earlier today. I was right. Like, like, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, yeah, tell them. Yeah, tell them what you told them. Yeah, right. that's it. 
classic <laughs> technical writing when you get down to it, probably where they ripped it off. <laughs> right? Well, no, actually, I guess it comes Well, they see the other way around, maybe. Right, technical right. writers ripped it off from lit scum, like yeah. us. Well, way, yes, way back then. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's the basic pitch model, yes, yeah, yeah. is yep. prologue, body, epilogue. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to me, like, right, the interesting conversation there is, like, it seems like we always end up going back to gratuity, right? And how gratuity is an, a really easy way to, like, add some sort of, like, interest to, uh, I'm using big air quotes when I say that, interest to a story. Yeah. Some no, I know what you mean. And so when you're when you're deciding to write a prologue, you know, I, I think it's valuable to audit why it is that you're doing that. Are you doing it because you have this preconceived notion that a book is exciting and hooky if it has a prologue? Are you doing it because you don't want to be bothered setting the stage for your book and, and having that world-building experience? Are you doing it because it's it's you know it's going to be a standalone novel and the world is far too big to be able to outline? Good point. Yeah. So it's like, and depending on what what your reasoning is, I think is, is you have to identify that first. And then from there you can determine whether or not it's a good idea or not, because it's, it's very much, the more I think about it, it's, it's, it's very much, you know, uh, two sides of, of, of a coin. And, and if yeah. you're not, if you're not very careful, you end up using a prologue essentially as a device. It's it's not there for any real reason other than you know I've I've seen a lot of people use them just as that sort of like you know oh my prologue is supposed to yeah. hook well why isn't that just chapter one? Well, that's true, and and it it, it runs up frighteningly close to the border of storyline padding. It's like padding in expensive clothes. Oh look how clever I am! I'm gonna I'm gonna put this prologue, and this is gonna be so damned interesting. You will not be able to stop reading at this point. And there's a delusion that presumes that that's true, and I would argue it isn't. Have you ever used a prologue where Miss Hendricks is running around? No. I used a prologue in my first book once, and it was necessary. It was also extremely brief, really brief. But I inserted it because there's a time break of 17 years in between this dialogue and when the story itself starts from where the reader picks up if they were going with my main character. Mm -hmm. So that was, it was necessary to, you know, th there's no deliberate, by the way, 17 years later, except I do take the liberty of putting dates. So anybody who's paying attention can do the arithmetic and see, ah, it's 17 years later. So there is a, at least a little bit of a reason for it and you don't know who the characters are yet. And so we're, we're looking back in time over time's shoulder, uh, metaphorically speaking, and you're seeing just a brief little moment that, as you read the book, explains a hell of a lot about why he is in the predicament he's in, my main character, that is. Mm -hmm. And so I, have, I, had, I dipped my toe in the prologue water once, and I, I did it with, uh, you know, kind of clenched teeth and closed eyes because I, I really, I don't know why, but I disapprove of prologues. To me, they're haughty and mostly needless. Your first paragraph ought to be enough of a hook to get somebody's attention. My, my stories typically start slow because I am, I'm deliberate about, universe, about world building and about establishing a base and an understanding between the reader and the main character. It, it, it takes a little while to get there, and people piss and moan about it, because in today's instant gratification society, I'm supposed to open up with somebody get their throat slit or their head exploding or, a, or a, a, some sort of motorcycle race. It is, it's not necessary. Storytelling ought to be interesting without those devices, and you're exactly right. To me, a prologue, more often than not, not always, I don't want to be too much of a hypocrite, but to me, they are needless and cumbersome and even up to and including at some point distracting from the main story. It makes people have to go back and wonder, 
What did that mean? What did that mean? And you're you're slowing the pace of the story because you're obliging them to keep one foot in that prologue, whether it's conscious or not. I don't really know if I like it. Oh, gracious. I never even thought about that. You're right. And like, I completely flushed that. Yes. I've read a bunch of books where, yeah, you get sort the, the prologue doesn't make sense until like, exactly. the end of the damn story, or at least yeah. the middle, it seems like it's never. Yeah. <clears throat> and yes, I mean, like a prologue in its, in its purest form is, 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 is born of theater. It's the Correct. thing that happens at the beginning that sets the stage. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's where that expression comes from, right? It it is where the the narrator comes out mm -hmm. and says, "These these you know, this is the set of circumstances in which this story is about to be told. This is the world." And yeah. you're talking about sort of the same thing. And I think that a prologue is necessary when either one of either you have this world that's too large to expose in a period of time, or like in your case, there's been a period of time that, you know, yeah. there's, there's an event that happens that you have to know about, but then there's too much time. It's like, it didn't that's happen. That's precisely right. They did need to know about it because it is, it's explanatory to a point, but it, I fell in the trap. I wasn't smart enough in, in the first book I ever wrote to recognize it. I didn't see it as a trap. I don't know whether it was intuitive. I'm, I won't go that far. But I just felt creepy about doing a prologue. It, it was brief. I'm not explaining anything about these people at all. I'm just telling you that these these people with these weird alien names are are having a conversation. And I, you don't even know who they're talking about. You know that it's something to do with the book because it's incorporated from the into the title. But I, I, I got lots of response from people that I knew that were reading it that said, you know, it took me a while to figure out who you were talking about in the beginning. And I thought, that's why I didn't want to do a prologue, because I'm now I'm I have forced them to go back and look at the prologue and go, oh, that's what it meant. OK, so here we are at chapter eight before I realize who those people are. And some of them are considerate. Uh, unique and clever, and some of them don't. They're not amused by it at all. They're saying, why the hell didn't you just tell me that? Why are you making me guess and wonder who these dickheads are? And then later on in the book, oh, here we go. So clever prologue boy. That's it. To me, it was a bad place to go. I wish I wouldn't have. It was necessary from a story arc perspective, so I can at least justify it. But it tells you something about intuition, about the way you your a story develops as for an author when you write it and those little flags go up and those signals, especially for new authors, pay attention to them. You you're if it sounds goofy and weird and makes you uncomfortable, chances are there's a really good reason for it. Start double thinking what you're doing, and you don't necessarily have to go there unless, in my case, I thought no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the risk because I've got to establish this 17 year gap. So I did. But I'll tell you, it's like the plague ever since. I'm not going anywhere near prologue. The hell with that. Sure. Uh, well, you know, the funny thing is, is that you know, you're you're talking about your <laughs> readers, <clears throat> some of whom are accepting of the fact that you have put the prologue in there and then they figure it out later. But some people are kind of impatient about it, and I've found that readers definitely do walk those lines. Like my my books are very patient books. I everything is exposed in a very uh, very calculated. Uh, yeah, you, there's a method to your reveals. I understand that. Yeah, and and it, and it's books long. You know, yeah. there are things that are teased in one that still haven't resolved in four. Um, yeah. They will. There's a plan, but sure. regardless. <clears throat> You know, you're you're talking about the, the 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 reason that yours is 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 in there, and we've talked about other reasons that you know prologues are included in books. And you know, we we start talking in the beginning about these these definitions of all of these different formatters that you can put. <clears throat> Immediately before your story begins, right? And you can look at the title of anyone, the the name, the the, the label of any one of those, and know what it is. But we've just established that a prologue can be like seven different things. Like first, first off, a reader does not know when they're reading it whether or not it's something that they should hang on to for yeah. later. 
Yeah. Whether it's something that they should just go, okay, and move on from. Right. There's is no it standalone way. by itself or is it a hook that they need to pay attention to? Exactly. Is there information there that they have to carry with them? It's an excellent point. Right. Is it a hook that it, that has, yes. Is, is it a tease that you need to keep track of so that you understand what it is later? Is it a hook that's gratuitous? Is it a setup that you need to understand in order to, you know, establish some sort of dynamic in the world or the time or or a character. And so, you know, you talk about intuition and stuff like that. And I wonder, <clears throat> I wonder if that's why, if that's one of the reasons why prologues feel funny. <clears throat> yeah. Why they can't. It's a good point. It's yeah. very hard. It's, to it's like a little voice in your ear, isn't it? It's just, <clears throat> I don't know, but I don't know if I should do this. Now, you know, uh, so... Uh, you've never done it. I did it once, and I won't say I regretted it because it was kind of necessary. Our esteemed colleague, Ray doesn't do them, as I recall. He goes straight in. And, and have you seen the beginning of, of his newest book? No. Um, I've just but Not the one that he's working on, but his current, I guess I should say his current title. I And Ray will have to tell us when he gets back, but I, I suspect Ray doesn't go for them either. But his books are very action-packed. Mm-hmm. And you you kind of it's like hopping a train when you get on a Ray Bailey novel because he doesn't he doesn't plot and he doesn't goof around. When you get in, you, you're going to have to start ducking because space bullets and shit are coming at you, and the mages are shooting lightning out of their assholes and all kinds of stuff is happening. So he has the the style and the in his uh, approach to writing is very very kinetic, and and it's it makes me wonder is that. Is that style, does it relieve him of the need for a prologue, whereas people who are uh, who take a little bit longer to get into the story, people who, like you and I, World we film. tend, we tend to, to want to set much more of a stage and <clears throat> develop a familiarity between the reader and the people, not necessarily, we haven't got to the action part yet, but it makes me wonder, is, does our style and, and the style of others who write in the, the same kind of a, an approach does it is it a, a, a more of a danger for uh, for us than it is for anyone else or is it vice versa that's it's something to consider gracious well I mean like <clears throat> oh man I'm thinking about you know what that has to do with uh, you know with 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 Ray's writing style I, I got to start there um, you know when you are uh, a writer who is you know, boom, 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 just like hammering on your reader with action, action, action. Yeah. All the time. Um, I would think that the value of a, of a prologue is still the same. If you, um, if you have to take time, if there is something that requires a different pace, a prologue. Oh, that's an interesting side. That, that makes, that is, there's a huge separation between that prologue. If that's a little quiet conversation where he's telling the reader, Okay, this is uh, you need to know this. You this is something to keep in the back of your mind. I'm let me give you the backstory on this, and then we're going to get into the crash and shooting and banging and spaceships and running into each other and all the shit that he does. That's so action packed. Mm-hmm. Is it because you? It, it seems um, counterintuitive to me that a prologue in a Ray Bailey novel would be anything. It, it wouldn't be anywhere near as effective if, if it was the, if he started shooting at you in a prologue. That's a quiet conversation yeah. with the reader. It's, it's, it's as though you're talking to them before they begin reading the book. <clears throat> and I, Whereas Ray screams at you the minute you open up the coverage. Shit's coming at you. And you, you, you glom onto it and you go along for this action-packed ride. A prologue, in my estimation, wouldn't be as effective for him if he if he simply followed his own that that uh, high hack, high that action same, high pace yeah it would have to be pace, a, yeah the same tempo so does that so does that tell us that prologues are all kind of personal one on one quiet and, and not the it's, it's, you're somebody's telling you about the movie before you go into the theater. In a, in a way, but I mean, like, let's let's look at this the other way, though. I mean, because that would mean that if you have a a writing well, it could mean that if you have a writing style that is um, that is more like ours, that is is paced differently, that is mm-hmm. you know slower. Um, 
let's put it this way, actually. Let me let me go at it from the other from the other angle. A prologue for us would probably be most effective in the opposite tempo. So for a Ray Bailey novel that is action-packed uh. and fast, you have a prologue that's set in contrast to that that is slow and intimate and uh, you know very controlled and um, explanatory and. Um, so for our styles that are slower, it, that contrast would, would have value. If we, you know, came in and hit something, hit some sort of event. Event, yeah, exactly. You know, instead of some sort of an expositional yeah. conversation, you know, to do an event narrative where there is, you know, a culmination at the end. And then to go into the, the, the more... Mm -hmm prose like you know exposition yeah. we tend to do that is you give them a chance to take their breath or to catch their breath after this blast of shit coming at them that is any it, it, it i think it would have to be event centered mm -hmm. and something that's extraordinary not somebody walking across the street but somebody getting hit by a bus yeah. out of the middle of nowhere and blown through an intersection and then diamonds scatter out on the ground and people walk up and go what the hell right so that's now you've got them thinking but you have a singular event that ties to where your story may end up going at the very end, or perhaps something that lends itself to the end of the beginning, something that they go, ah, okay, now I see that was what this was about. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, my prologue was emotion. It was, I, it was, it was built to establish a 17 year gap, but it was instead of um, an action packed, uh, something that's a, a, a splash of cold water in the reader's face it tapped into sadness and despair. Mm -hmm. And and I, I, I want them to feel bummed while they're reading what my characters in that prologue are bummed about, and that be, makes them wonder what in the hell happened to this 959 thing, whatever that is. Right. Well, I mean, but that... But it was, it's an emotional hook. That That's what I'm going for, is that... Yeah, that's to the get thing. Them emotional, I mean, like... Right? I yeah, it, it, but that is a different kind of value. You know, you, you're you're establishing a tone. Yep. And and ah. so that's important. You know, to establish a tone or a time or a place or a world, all seems valid. Those all seem valid reasons to include a prologue. And we were talking about whether or not a reader can take a clue as to whether or not to you know take something and then just move on or whether to yeah. take, hang on to it throughout yep. the story. I would think that if you incorporated what we were just talking about with contrast, that that would stand out naturally. So if it is something that you're teasing, that you want your reader to hang on to, it would have to stand apart from your normal writing style. From exactly. Your writing that, style. And then it's gradiated. I used... Uh, a, a, a quiet moment of profound sadness and despair. That's an emotional uh, uh, connection. It could just as easily have been uh, the, the, the in that time, in that place, it could have been an action that would wind up your adrenaline or, or pique your interest because there's something more drastic coming at you. Mm -hmm. But either way, it's a matter of degrees. It's it's two sides of the same coin. You're you're tapping into an emotion to elicit a response. As a setup to not, my story started as dull and boring as it can possibly be, a, a horrible, cold, lonely place where people are going about their daily lives, and it's nothing good, bad, or indifferent about it. It's just a it's a kind of a description of this guy's place and time before all these weird events happen to him in order to make him what he is or was, which is a very ordinary guy, not a superhero. He's not a, you know, he, he doesn't wear a cape. He's just an ordinary schlub in an, in an incredibly ordinary, even dull place. That is a huge contrast to that emotional moment at the beginning when, when people you don't even know about are going through this evolution that doesn't take very long but it leaves them all in, in despair so but it is a, it's a huge contrast it's not as dramatic as an action scene certainly but it's a it's the contrast you just mentioned maybe that is its element is it has to be written in such a way that it contrasts i didn't even think of that that's an excellent point so there's something for for folks considering prologues to con to, to consider yeah. What is this as opposed to the beginning of the story? 
Right. And, you know, and so uh, a question was asked of me. I want to throw this at you, even though Lark comes at us in her life without a prologue. Do you write, and I'm asking, I'm, I'm restating a question that was asked me that was confounding. Do you write a prologue before you write the book, or do you write the prologue when you realize, ah, I've got to set a stage here, and you go back and write a prologue? I argue it is either, and there isn't a good or a bad, you don't necessarily start with it. You might have to come back with it after chapter 12. Gosh, I think that that goes down to whether you're a plotter or not. Yes. I mean, if you have everything figured out from the beginning, um, then you should know whether or not you need it. If you think you have it all figured out from the beginning and then you get to chapter 12 and you're like, oh, crap, I have a plot hole and you have to go back and add a prologue to fill your plot hole, then you did something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So I so I (laughs) I wrote I wrote the prologue. Uh, no, I didn't. I wrote the prologue after I started telling the story, but I wasn't very far into the story. And I had I, the the scene in my mind in, in that uh, my own personal prologue, it was always there. I was cognizant of it. I started writing the book, and it didn't even... Con- I, I'm thinking to myself, how the hell are they going to know about this, that, or the other thing? And I thought, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Before we go any further, let me sling a little prologue in there that's going to help bridge that weird gap metaphorically and literally. So I was, I don't know, maybe 20 pages in, and I went back and stuck that prologue, and I already had it in my brain. I don't think that that really counts. That's a matter of having your own personal, not personal, um, having your own private backstory so that you know where the story's going, and then you get to a certain point, and you're like, oh, reader needs to know some of this because... My understanding of it makes uh, makes the story more whole, and so I need to share something like that. That's exactly it, and there's that's a really good explanation for it, and probably why uh, it, it. I would argue that it's a justification for them. I, I, why I'm while I'm busy pounding on prologues in general, that as a contradiction to myself is a really good reason for it. You explained it beautifully. And it kind of kind of encompasses everything, doesn't it? I mean, we're we're talking about establishing emotion or character or time or world that is backstory. Yeah. And yep. you know that book isn't written, but some no. of it is important to expose in order to be able to to <clears throat> excuse me to move forward within that story. Um, now go go back to what we talked about at the very beginning and our paranoia and fear about padding. Mm-hmm. Is this a vehicle? It is a, is it a device? And those are really good cautionary notes, but if you are you're making that distinction because, as you said, when we come through the process of telling ourselves the story very early in, and you go, no, 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 they need to know this, and it's it is separate enough to where it warrants a prologue. So what I'm saying is, is that it makes perfectly good sense to sling one in for that purpose. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. To uh, to want to write a little miniature book and stick it on the front of your book because you think it's clever. It needs to have a good, plausible reason or something that derives a benefit for the reader later on. Well, to tie that into the question that you just had asked, you know, um, as opposed of regarding whether to do it, you know, at the beginning or in the middle or or the or the end, you know, when you decide to and execute said. Mm-hmm. Um, and that having to do with whether you're plotting your whole story out or not. I think that you probably back yourself into a corner. More, you are more likely to back yourself into a corner. I don't want to put it negatively like that. That's not very nice. Um, I think you're more likely to put yourself into a position where you have to go back and add a prologue if you are just pantsing your way through a book. There's not to say that there's no, anything wrong with that. I think that's, a, that's, a, that's true. I, w- I would agree with that 100%. But regardless of whether you are, you know, planning everything out very carefully and making that decision at the beginning, or you're planning it out and deciding that you need to add some of your own private backstory once you're already writing, or whether you get to the end and then go, oh, shit, there's this thing that they needed to know. Yeah. I think that probably the the thing that, (laughs) no, not probably, I, I think that 
one thing that I can think of that that makes a prologue unacceptable to tie into what you're saying about padding is if you get to the end of your book and you have a a sensible story that's not lacking anything that you know let's let's go specific scenario let's say you have a story that's just a little bit rated a little bit slow air quotes slow yeah. at the beginning and it's a good story and it all comes together perfectly but you look at it and you go but the industry says i'm supposed to have a hook yeah you know and so you yeah. go hmm you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take some scene from three quarters of the way through the book and I'm going to rewrite it a little bit and I'm going to put it at the beginning or I am going to invent yeah. this other scenario that I can put at the beginning to make it, you know, wham, bam, exciting, you know, something like that because we were talking about contrast, right? Yeah. So this is a regulated story mm -hmm. that has sort of a slower cadence to it. If you're doing it right, even if you're doing it wrong, it should be more wham, bam. You know, and so that's padding. That's exactly right. In in what your um your that description that you had just there, it tells me that something is influencing an author. That when a writer looks at, like, as you said, a perfectly decent story that has a good storyline and it works and it comes together at the end, and they look in the beginning. How come it wasn't okay in the beginning when you started writing and ran all the way through the process of writing this book? And then all of a sudden, some some little bug is jacking around in your ear saying, hey, you know, remember that really good book you read? It had a prologue. You don't. <laughs> right? And you the author it? says, shit. Yeah, yeah, you worthless piece of shit. You forgot a prologue. Are you not up to writing prologue? Are you not that sophisticated and cultivated as an author that you can't do a prologue? So the thought process, and I'm being ridiculous, of course, but you you can't imagine that doesn't hit, especially a new author writing a first book going, shit, should I have done that? And I don't know. I don't know. And which is a perfectly understandable thing to say. I don't know. But if your solution is so thin and inconsidered, your estimation of its worth early in the discussion was absolutely dead on. You're doing it wrong. Right. Well, so I mean, so we... <clears throat> you're, you're, you're getting into like a little bit of a sidebar there, but I mean, it's really freaking interesting, right? You're talking about new writers and especially when you're talking about selfies and indies, you know, we don't have, you know, an editor from the beginning who is, you know, harping on us about, about the story. Right. You know, we're kind of yeah. flying by the seat of our pants here. Um, and so you fall into that trap over and over and over again mm -hmm. of assuming First, assuming that there is an expectation, and then wildly scouring the internet and and searching around <laughs> yeah. in libraries trying to figure right. out the mode of this thing. Okay, yeah. there has to be an expectation. So what is it? What is the expectation? And yeah. then falling into the third trap of being like, okay, there is an expectation. I think this is it. And I definitely have to do that thing. Exactly. I have to fill this goal. I have to do it. And I know you don't have to, but that's, it's incredibly tempting, particularly when you don't know any better, when you haven't been through a few of these. And if there is no firm editorial hand smacking you in the head saying, no, 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 you need to eliminate this, you know, right. and it's, or so, the other way, I you know honestly to be like okay this is a this is a deep world you need to have a prologue or yeah. no this is a simple story that takes place in modern times you can just you can just yeah. hit it just go yeah. ahead tell the story um, and it's you know it's funny here we're talking about padding and gratuity over here right of of content and then over here we're talking about process and and this this over here the 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 counterpart to gratuity and content is mockery in, yeah. in, 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 no, it really is. in technique. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, if you have sex violence and, and, and profanity over here in your content, just because it seems entertaining, then there's a flaw there. There's, there's Gr probably a flaw. Gratuitous as hell. <clears throat> and if you're over here, you know, searching around the industry, trying to figure out, you know, that expectation in order to copy it, you're not yeah. actually making your own calculations. You're not you're actually not. making your own decisions. And you're also doing something which is even worse for a developing writer, which is you have to have 
faith in your writer's voice. Mm-hmm. And when you search around for, uh, you can be influenced by style, but it's subconscious, and it ought to be. If you're if you're looking at that book that had a really cool prologue and maybe I could do something like that, I'll read that and then I'll apply that to my suit. You're, you're all, you are going down the wrong path. You're injuring your own voice. It is padding. It leads to disaster. You're going to get hammered for it sooner or later. But worse, it's, it's going to justify in the author's mind that this was okay. And without anybody there to tell you it's not, you may be two books into your career and say, shit, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That was stupid. I wish I wouldn't have done that. And that's a bad idea. All right, now, so so we looked at, wow, we're 37 minutes in. We've, we've beaten, beaten the living shit out of prologues, and that was great. I'm, I, I learned something along the way there. But... But there is the end of the book when someone decides that I gotta wrap this up somehow. I have to do a conclusionary statement. I have to tell them what I told them. No, you don't. But here we go. And there are, there are, uh, I don't know. They. It sounds as though it's kind of like uh, the def the, the literary definition of anticlimactic. You get to an end. It has an end point. Shut your hole. Finito. You're done. Is it necessary to come back and beat a dead horse? Or to worse, all those things that you wonder if you explain properly. Oh, fuck it. I'll do it here. I'll sling a bunch of shit in and make some clever phraseology out of it just to make sure my poor ignorant reader who can't figure this out for themselves, I'll do them a big favor. No, you're insulting the shit out of their intelligence, for one thing. And you've made your book something less than it should have been. You've diminished your own voice again. Right. Not really, not really big on them. It's a weird experience. When you get to the end of a book, <clears throat> when you're writing the end of a, you're the end of a Lark Hendricks story, mm-hmm. you know exactly precisely where you're ending this. You, we all, we get far enough into a book to where we know I'm, this is where I need to wrap it up. This is a good scene if, especially if it's a, a series, people who did cliffhangers, they do this deliberately. They know this is a great place. I'm going to tease you a little bit and tell you about some interesting shit that could happen in the next book, but I'm stopping it right here. Well, that is that is precision, and when you do that, you, you're doing it for a reason and you understand. But there's a bizarre effect when when you're reading a book, for example. If for some reason you picked up one of my standalones, River, for example, that's topical these days. So there you are, and you're reading the book, and it comes to the end. You, it, it, I've wrapped things up. I've, I've concluded the story, and you're satisfied as a reader. But I don't know if this is only in my weird brain or if this happens to you or other readers is really the question. When I get to that last page, there's a, a strange sensation. I read to the end. And the the last word always it's though you're you're going. I, I might be perfectly satisfied with the end of the story, but it's the strangest effect. I get there and there's no uh, fireworks that come up off the page, or some conclusionary symphonic shit going on in my head. There, there's no credits running. It's it's. I think the movies and the television do it. You get to the end of the book in 1890. You say, "Well, that's a pretty good book." You get to the end of a book in 1990, and you're going. It, it was. It, I think it's a, a, a function of that. And so here's my question: In this circuitous path, <laughs> in this day and age, is that phenomenon shared by others? Is it just me? So that's my personal question. But are are authors obliged? to somehow throw some extra shit in on the end because of that sudden chop off. Is that the birthplace of uh, an, an epilogue? Hmm. Think that one through, Miss Lavender Sweater. Miss Lavender Sweater. It's pink. Damn it. Get it right. Uh, you I know, mean... we're looking over uh, $20 cameras. What are you going to do? <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so... I mean, that's a lot to unpack, man. I mean, what what is an epilogue and what is its purpose, right? Okay, it, here we go. It comes from, in my mind, my opinion here, um, your, your epilogue is a way to give your reader happily ever after in some way, shape, or form. 
What if it's a shitbag ending? What if what if what if Lark Hendricks uh, discovered she had breast cancer and then her, her ass fell off and she's got to go to the hospital and she dies? Right. Well, that doesn't it, happen it, to Lark in Hendricks. a way, though. I mean, like you know, I'm using I'm using happily ever after as sort of just a a, a let's call it an analog to the end stamp. You know, when you are okay. reading fairy tales and it said and they lived happily ever after, you know that it's done. And right. so your epilogue does the exact same thing. Your epilogue says, and now Finney, you're, you're not doing anything else. Um, do, you lose, do you use them in the Lark Hendrick no, series? I refuse. Me no, too. I refuse. I, I will never. Be, and there's a reason why. Um, uh, no, hold on, hold on. Let me anticipate just a second. When you say there's a reason why, so now I'm kind of diving into Glacia's weird damn brain, <laughs> and I say... <laughs> Uh, there, there ought to be a reason why I do it because I, or I don't do it. I should say because I find it distracting and totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But uh, the happily ever after thing—that's really interesting. That spurs a bunch of thought processes. That's a great way to to describe it. You, you, you're, you are, you know, you're not expected to think any more about the story than what has been provided. So in your series, and you and I are both at the moment series writers. Yeah. I haven't done a standalone in a year, so this uh, I'm knee deep in series is for for the the end of this book, which I almost finished today. By the way, I got really close. Uh, <laughs> and the next three, the next trilogy that wraps it up, two trilogies, six part series. Do you would you would is it a um, limiting factor because you're you write a series that you don't want to injure that spot where you left off. Mm. Why, why do you say there's a purpose? I want to know. <clears throat> why do I say that there's a purpose to not use them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Is well, it because my, it's a series or in general? Uh, well, my own, let's start with my own personal experience. My personal experience is that um, a, uh, an, an epilogue would make zero sense in the way my series are arranged. Um, where book one ends, book two begins 30 minutes later. Where book two ends, book three begins milliseconds later. Okay, good. I got you. <clears throat> it's impossible. It now, would be ridiculous if you put an epilogue in something that's only, you, you get up and go to the bathroom and come back and then the story continues. That's precisely. not enough room to put an epilogue Precisely. In. It is okay. a normal break between, uh, I write, I write uh, in, in, in turnstile chronology, it yeah. is POV, POV, POV. And so at the end of one POV that makes sense, that's just, that's it. I just end it. It's over, done with. The epilogue in my, the, the and it's over in my books is the next page where you go, hey, the next book's coming. That's it. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know? it's good. And, and, and to me, it, it, you are diminishing the beginning of your next book if you go off the chain on epilogues in your current book. Yes. Dude, okay, so I had a reader. You just called me dude, by the I way. Did. I just wanted to make that clear. You called me so, dude. I call so everybody gonna... dude. Get over okay. it. Okay, all right, all right. Go ahead. Dude. Dude. So I, I had a beta reader, right? Um, <clears throat> let's see. It was it was the second book, okay? They read it, and they were like, um, no, that's not true. It was the first book, because I had already written the second one, and okay. they had both. And they were like, don't you think maybe that you want to add something at the end of the first that's from the beginning of the second? And I was like, why in the hell would I want yeah. that? Totally different story. Yeah, you can't. That's like saying, hey, can we go visit tomorrow and then come back to today? To today land. Yes. No, you can't. So no, you can't. And so I think that right there illustrates why if you are within a series... An epilogue is probably a profoundly bad Agreed. idea. Yep. Um, but I, I mean, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna even make that a little bit more of a point. Between my third book and my fourth book, I actually for the first time have some space. I have like a two week period, which for me is a profoundly long period of time. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And there's stuff that happens in there that's important, like for sure. And I could have added it as an epilogue to three, as a prologue to four. But at the end of three, I decided 
to add one more POV in the same style that I had written the entire book, all three books, and in order to wrap that one up a little bit better. I had an end with intrigue in one, I had an end with a vicious cliffhanger in two, and three ends with there is more, but we're done now. You know what I mean? Yep. And so you're, 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 but by the same token, when you do that, mm-hmm. it's, it, you are actually, you're not casting a, a blind net. You have faith in, in your readers who know, especially in between books three and four, mm-hmm. who have been this through this journey with Lark, and they know good and damn well her predicament. It would, it's almost insulting to them if you if you didn't. So what I'm saying is is that you have faith in their ability to read between the lines. They don't have to be led by the nose. They know good and damn well where you're going with this. They don't know how you're going to do it, but that's it. It, it certainly doesn't diminish their desire to go read book four. There's trust there. Exactly. That is, I I have you know I have said this before numerous times that you have to determine how you do things, determine what your style is, and then stick to it. Be loyal to that. And if you are loyal to that, your readers will be able to predict what you're going to do. And they in turn will be loyal to you. But they connect to it. Book three, what was that? Yeah, they connect with it. They hold on to that. That's that's one of the charming parts about a series is that you're going down a really long path with people that you get to know more and more and more. Oh, and by the way, they're getting to know Glacia's voice when they do it, right. and they attach to that, and they rely on it. I'll go you one further. They rely on that consistency. You're going to injure that, in my estimation, if you now come in and force-feed something that you can just as easily incorporate into the next in, in your series. Okay, so now, well, so we're, we're patting each other on the back and, and yay us because we're really clever series writers and we can't be stopped. We'll, we'll hear about this from Ray when he says, well, I like him and you're all a bunch of assholes. And then he'll, he'll suck on that stick of a cigarette of his goes out four feet. Oh, poor Ray. <laughs> and then he's going to say something, something, something because he's a, he's a series generating mo jammer. Yeah. So the the before I continue, the caveat there is it doesn't mean that you can't. It does mean that you have to know what you're doing and why. Ray's a deliberate writer, I'm sure he does. But it'll be interesting to see his take on I think we're in agreement. Prologues are, are really dangerous territory. You really need to know do I have to do this or not? Epilogues may end up somehow weakening the 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 succeeding book if you jam it in at the end of the preceding book. I think it does damage, and it really is important in a series, but that leads me to my question. And sooner or later, you'll get there, Miss Pink Sweater, when you start doing standalones, and I know you will. Sooner or later, you're going to get to one. And so is it more valid, is it more understandable, useful to apply uh, an epilogue at the end of a standalone, because if you f- following your logic about then they lived happily ever after, mm-hmm. it could be tempting to look at the end of your story and say, I really want them to understand something, 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 because I'm not coming back here again. Mm-hmm. And neither are they as a reader. Mm-hmm. Is it, 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 it seems uh, understandable. Is it tempting, or I presume it's tempting to do this at the end of a standalone, is it more understandable or acceptable from a reader's perspective to have one? I think from a reader's perspective, sure. I, I think that um, it depends on the reader, um, uh, like anything. I mean, come on, like we can we can make a case uh, for it to go either way. There are readers who are, who like a wrapped up story. They like to be told what the story is. Those are your readers who have uh, infinite patience for expositional info dump. And they don't mind being told what the story is. And then there are more sophisticated readers who like to surmise and invent and imagine what they're not told. And, you know, I mean, like a really good way 
to illustrate those differences in readers is that one reader over here wants to be told that the 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 MC has this color hair, this color eyes, this color skin, is this tall, is this old, um, likes these foods. Yes. Draw me a picture. Yeah. And over here, this this reader is okay getting context clues about yeah. their they're, they you know, would like to fill in the blanks themselves. They thinking. do. They want yeah. to imagine. I actually have a, a secondary character, very interestingly, um, who ends up becoming an MC in later books. Um, and, and somebody uh, said something to me about his appearance, and it's so vaguely described in the first book. I didn't realize it could go so many different ways, uh, yeah. a profoundly different way. Like I had a picture of this guy in my head, and they identify him as a completely different race. Because it was that vague. And I was like, you know, I mean, and then I went back and listened to, you know, myself, you know, I, I'm, I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. It makes perfect sense. But the it's magic so there, it doesn't damage the story, though, did it? Right. No. It and that's that's part no. of what I find that just interesting as hell is that it didn't. Yeah. Well, so like, but then we take that, right? You take mm -hmm. readership style there's 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 writers for each readership and then we go back to the whole you got to figure out how you're going to do it and then you got to do it that way because anything yeah. that you do as long as your readership can predict it they will yeah. accept so for me i mean that's really all i can speak to apart from supposing for me if i have a readership that is, that it understands that i am rated and deliberate about what I expose to them and that I'm going to allow them some, la some of their own creative latitude, you know, right. some no, that's... consumer latitude yeah. You're allowed to help me make up this story. It's okay at times. And exactly. if there's something important, I will tell you. And if I don't, then imagine it how you will. But the vagaries in you, particularly in your style, I, 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 I tend to go a little deeper into textual imagery where environment is concerned. I, I'm, I, I will tell you about my main characters visually because it's important for you to, to make a mental picture of them and take it with you. Yeah, it and isn't there's nothing important. wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with <clears throat> that. Right. I do there isn't, with, my, um, with my two first MCs. I absolutely do it. I do physical description for yeah. every other person thereafter. I do not, but I I felt like I needed to. Probably you did too. Yeah. Felt like I needed to give them some sort of visual anchor. Everything else past that is is. And there's you know to be fair, there's reasons behind this. Um, I need them to know more than just gender and age. Yeah. I don't. I. I it depends on, and, and this this can get a little weird, but I uh, their appearance isn't a commentary on culture. It's it's not it's nothing really more to do than a, a person looking in the window of a house on the way home from work and seeing an ordinary family going about their dinner time business. Mm -hmm. You don't know anything more about them. You all all that you have are the visual cues. Yep. The reader doesn't get that, and so I need them to be able to to look in a window and see these people, and understand who they are at least as far as it it, it goes with the description of what they are, because there's a difference. And so now I have a I have a picture, and they attach to it. They don't have any choice, frankly. I'm not asking them to fill in that blank. I need them to understand because there are reasons why they react the way they do, why they live their lives the way they do. If I didn't describe in, in, in beyond age or gender, <clears throat> you're left to surmise. And it could be confusing or contradictory when their reactions and actions and behaviors and worldview become elemental to the story. Yes. Somebody, who's, somebody who's 38 years old is going to see and speak. Their idiom is going to, going to be totally different from somebody who's, who's some uh, like-addicted millennial. They don't speak the same way. They don't see the nope. world the same way. Why should they? Yeah, so absolutely. that is why I like to, I, I want them to see this. Now, the, the ancillary characters, I don't mind if they assign racial component. I don't mind if uh, 
if they see them in their mind's eye in a particular way, liking these sorts of things, disliking or disapproving of others, they can build that personality uh, superstructure all they like. They're temporary characters, but I need them to understand who these people are, what they are, so they'll be more comfortable learning who they are. You're, you're, yeah. I mean, like you're kind of a little bit restating, you know, uh, elaborating on on what I was saying. You know, you've decided that with those characters, there's something that needs to be understood, and so you will you will provide that information because you feel that it is important. And anything past that, if you don't provide it, then it's not important anymore. And first point. All of this talk about exposition and like wise versus unwise exposition needs to be a topic. Like, yeah, it does. Yeah, you're right. To do that. Yeah, but to get back agreed. to the epilogue thing, and uh, you know, oh, in- shit. Now here we go. This was the rat holes that we were worried. Yeah, about. we went down put a little the, bit of put a the rat exposition hole. thing down. Go. I, I'm pointing down through my through my uh, monitor because that's where you are. Uh, go write that. Get a little note. Jog a note. Make did. a note. I already did. It says expo topic on my thing. Yep. I already got oh, it. Good. Yeah. So, like, to to tie that whole, you know, this is your style thing in terms of, you know, whether or not you are going to use an epilogue, be it in a series or in a standalone. I think that really the only time you should use it in a series is if you have a long period of time or a great distance of space uh, between one book and the next. Um But if we're talking just strictly standalone, if you have identified that your style is to tell your story, to be militant about providing your reader with every bit of information that you can, then when you get to the end of that story, if you haven't told it all, then you need to put it in an epilogue. If you are a more nuanced writer who allows your readership to Mm. make assumptions. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Then you don't need one. You are allowed to leave things open to interpretation. It's okay to let so your What is the arbiter head. though? That's all true. I agree with what you just said. Mm-hmm. But where is the where is the the ruling entity? Where is the rule book? Where's the the writer's instruction manual for some, for some poor girl who's just starting out her novel and she gets to the end and the only thing she has is her instinct and the little voice inside her head. And is it bad if she relies on it solely? Where else is she supposed to go to get that kind of information? I'm telling you, I don't think there is another place. There isn't a place. Trust yourself right? as, a, as a writer. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the decision has to come from. You have to ask yourself, am I just telling the end again? And yeah. if you are, maybe oh, yeah. take back and rewrite the end yeah. instead of adding on to it. It should be supplemental information, not regurgitated the same yes. thing you just said, right? Exactly. And, okay. and so, in, and if there is more to tell that happens after what you put as the end, then that that has to become the question. You know, if if it takes you another one or two or five or ten thousand words to wrap up your story and you copped out and put 250 words on the last page to be like, and blah, 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 they all lived happily ever after. That's the question you need to ask yourself. Would this be better served if I reconstructed the ending or moved it, added another 10,000 words, told the story a little bit more and wrapped it up in a different way. And you have to measure that against what kind of a writer's voice you have, you know, Okay, so speaking of wrapping up, we just went exactly an hour, good for us. One hour! So now, but now there's an ancillary to this, so I, want, I, have, a, I have an epilogue to the show. <laughs> Sorry, you have an epilogue to the show? <laughs> yeah. Uh, afterwords that are nothing whatever to do with the story. Yeah. Not even going to go there. It, it, that, to me, is self-congratulatory horseshit and prattle. If, an, if a publisher says... Hey, similar to a foreword, we're going to put an afterword in that's nothing to do with the story. It ain't going to come from me. If, if they call up Glacy and say, we want you to do an afterword to dumbass's latest 
booked and I'm fine with that. Don't ask me to do it. And nope, that's all no, none of that on. literary masturbatory stuff going Correct. on. We don't wank on uh, the book pages. Well, no, no we slap right. the hands of people who wank on our book pages. No, no wanking. Well, no. this was, we got through both and, uh, what a good discussion. That was wonderful. We learned a bunch. Um, it generated a few more questions, though, you will note. We'll, we will revisit this again, but I, I think we deserve applause for avoiding some remarkably tempting rat holes. Yeah, we okay. slipped down one a little bit. You but know, we I did. Mean, we were kind of honestly, like, oh, uh, get me out of here. We jumped up. Yeah, right. And then we were like, yes, the, the, the collective's, you know, sort of some total of our, you know, we, tiny you amounts would. of reasonability. We, we were able to haul ourselves back out of there. But we have other topics now. We can do exposition. Yes, we do. And honestly, yes, we do. there's more there. I mean, like, you could do an episode on, on formatter and aftermatter. You know? Yeah. I mean, so we've got I tend to suspect topics. we will, but yeah. No, good show. Out of the whole thing. That we didn't talk it up. We did it without Ray. No, we didn't. And Ray's going to, he can at least say, well, all right, they got through it without yeah. losing their minds or their asses didn't fall off or something. So. Okay, I feel like we accomplished. Um, there you go. That That is what we have in this particular, this is what, the 417th episode yeah, of Authors and Chains. 18th episode, okay, sorry. <laughs> Prologues, epilogues, uh, we'll get to, we'll get back to this at some particular point, yeah. but thanks for, for popping in. We'll see y'all very soon, provided we don't get y'all that. Thank you for joining us at Author and Chains. Until next time. Keep up to date with the latest news, opinions, tutorials, and more. Simply visit www.authorsandchains.com. Sign up for our mailing list to be one of the first to see any new information we post. Also, check out our Facebook page by searching Authors in Chains from the Facebook search bar. Last, but definitely not least, don't forget to check Twitter under hashtag Authors in Chains. If you have a topic you want to see discussed, or are interested in being on the show, or recommending someone who you think we should get on the show, contact us directly either by going to the contact page on the website or simply email shout at authorsandchains.com. We'll see you next week.